Hey guys, it's Sarah. On this episode, I talked to former paparazzi photographer James Ambler about all sorts of stories. The time he got a ride from Angelina Jolie, why he almost fought Jude Law, how he ended up on Shark Tank, and a near-death experience trying to film a wedding in a cave. Take a minute to subscribe to That's What She Said with Sarah Spain so you don't miss any new episodes. Also, rate it. Five stars, please. Leave a review. Appreciate it. And before we get to this ridiculous, hilarious, amazing interview with James, complete with 80 bleeps. Yeah, I said it. 80 bleeps. I want to tell you about a new radio show with my old co-host, Jason Fitz. Every morning, Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman debate the hottest stories of the day, as only they can on first take. And now every weekday from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern, the debates expand further. Jason Fitz brings first take, your take, to ESPN Radio. If you agree, you disagree, you get to share your thoughts and your reactions. Be a part of the discussion. It's first take, your take, with Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio and ESPN News. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast of the show. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. Well, that's what she said. Welcome to That's What She Said, conversations with interesting people from the world of sports, music, comedy, and more, talking about their lives, careers, successes, and failures. My name's James Ambler, and my dilemma is I want a motorbike, but my wife won't let me have one. But there's a reason for the motorbike. This is so I can ride across Mongolia um, on a massive dirt bike uh, across the Gobi Desert for my 40th birthday. Oh, this is a tough one, James, because I was immediately going to say, do not get a death mobile. Because after living in L.A. for six years, the number of motorcycle accidents just after they happened that I would drive by and cringe watching. And the number of people that drove by me with, like, sleeveless shirts and no helmets. And I thought if there's just a, a rock or a bird or a a log or anything, a hubcap, anything like you're done for, dude. I have a deep fear of motorcycles. I went on one motorcycle ride with a guy I was dating in L.A. I was terrified the whole time. And the very next week he crashed his motorcycle. I was like, I'm out never again. So I want to say that. But your story sounds super fun and amazing and like exactly the kind of like bucket list, even though I don't love that term thing that you should do. So can you find like something in the middle that's like safer like a camel or a horse or like an animal or maybe something that has four wheels, like an ATV that seems a little safer. Let's find something else that's very cool, but not as death mobile Cool? Okay. The commish has spoken. My guest this week is my friend, former news photographer and celebrity paparazzi turned proposal photographer, James Ambler. He's been featured on The Insider, Today Show, Shark Tank, ABC News, Nightline, CBS, Sunday Morning, and more, and he is hilarious. First off, he gave uh, my poor producer, Dan, quite a workout on the bleep button. 80 F-bombs in this bad boy. Eight, zero, 80 F-bombs in an interview that was less than an hour. Um, we talk about him camping with gypsies and traveling to the Himalayas and how that gave him the photography bug. The word that he misspelled on his cover page of his dissertation, which reminded him that he wasn't really a school guy and he wanted to just get out into the world. The four days he spent hiding in a car park in the summer in Arizona to get the exact shot he needed for a tabloid magazine, hiding in a Bermuda cave, Angelina Jolie, how he almost fell into Anna Nicole Smith's grave while shooting her funeral, why Jude Law is a knob, how he almost died. I mean, what more do I have to say? Are you interested yet? I hope you're interested. Listen, it's a good episode. He's hilarious. You'll enjoy it. That's what she said. I'm excited for you guys to hear from this gentleman. You have not probably heard of him, uh, but as I've done in the past, I like to have people on with interesting jobs and interesting stories, much in the same vein of my buddy Dan, who came on to talk about being a sommelier and t- trying to take the master som test and everything else. This is my buddy James, and I met James through a mutual friend, uh, an Aussie who had moved to the States, and we had a... a big birthday bash that we both attended and then a wedding in Hawaii and we bonded over dinner and the stories this man can tell. I needed to share them. I immediately thought he needs to be on my podcast. People need to hear about this. So James Ambler is with us. He currently runs paparazzi proposals. He's a former news photographer, former celebrity paparazzi and the inventor of the rock shock, which we will get to later. And a very funny story involving my initial reaction to the aforementioned rock shock. He's been featured on the insider and the today show shark tank 
Nightline, CBS Sunday Morning, all sorts of places for his work. Um, but before we get to the paparazzi proposals, I want to start way back at the beginning, James, and ask, you know, this photography bug, was this something that you got into, like, really young when you were a kid? Yeah, it was kind of weird. So I got into photography because me and my mate Rolly Kid used to go skateboarding, and we both thought we looked the coolest, which in 1996 probably was neither of us. But um, So I nicked my dad's film camera, and I used to take pictures of him skateboarding, and he'd take pictures of me skateboarding. And I realized at that point, like, capturing certain moments, and you could look at a picture, and it would remind you of, you know, a moment in time or a trick that Rolly Kid was doing or whatever it may be was really cool and that essentially started the bug so from then i just photographed everything on a skateboard um for quite some time and then i did i was trying to get into uh, like an apprenticeship in england they call it which is where you don't go to university you kind of work with a company for three or four years learning the skills that you want to learn which i was a massive believer of because i hated school um (laughs) and so it was like yeah i want to go and earn and work so I kind of uh, looked around and couldn't really do it. Um, and I kind of f***ed about a bit quite a lot as a kid. So I had a different course to getting to kind of college. I went to a, a very strict kind of uh, all-boys school, which the first year that I started, they let 12 unsuspecting girls into an all-boys oh, school. Just the 12. Um, it, was, oh, it was chaos. <laughs> it was chaos. Um, I like the odds, but it was like, I mean, they, they had quite a selection. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The uh it was yeah, it was just it was it was horrible. Um but anyway, I digress. So yeah, that was very strict and then when I left that school I went to college and just basically went, This is amazing and about and all the rest of it. So I never really did like the university thing until much later. And realizing that I couldn't get a job because I needed a degree, even to do like, you know, simple apprenticeship stuff, I figured that I'd go back to college. So I went and did my um I did my A-levels in photography and media studies and film studies. And the photography element element of it, I really, really loved. And in that trip, I was getting travel bugs. I lived in a really small country town in England. My old man was the local doctor. So he no, knew wait, everyone. No, what was the name everyone of the town? Wantage. Wantage? Where King nope. Arthur burnt some cakes or something like that, I don't know, okay. with his round table. I really, you know, I bonded with the town. Um, So, yeah, so I really wanted to travel and get the out of this small country town. And so I found this thing in the newspaper that said that you could uh, raise money for charity for kids in wheelchairs. And that would allow you, if you raise a certain amount of money, you could go trekking for 14 days in the foothills of the Himalayas. I was like, that's a no-brainer. Like, I was 17 at the time. So... I said to my mates in the pub, I was like, come on, you know, we all do this. We can have a free holiday. It'll be a laugh. And they were all boring and said, no, there's no way. So I just said, I'll do it on my own then. So I raised all this money for WizKids, which is a really fantastic charity that helps kids in wheelchairs and stuff. And I raised all the money and flew out to Kathmandu like four days after my 18th birthday. And it was a really weird selection of like, old people that wanted to go and do something crazy and just paid the money to the charity and loads of other people. There's about 60 of us. And we trekked through the foothills of the Himalayas. Um, and I had my dad's old film camera and we got to about 14,000 feet and everyone's batteries and their fancy snazzy cameras died. And my camera oh. was the only one on the trip that worked oh, wow. pretty much the rest of the trip. So I came back with these pictures and kind of developed them. And my photography teacher said that that's the picture that will kind of take your career going further, um, which is really cool to hear. So from that, I just, yeah, I went off to university and uh, did a, a media study. Or I did a, a professional BA honours in photography. And, yeah, the goal was to get into war photography. I wanted Wait, so where did you go to school? Where did you end up getting to school? Oh, so school? I went to university in Cheltenham and Gloucester. Um, which I was, love all uh, the names of everything. <laughs> everything's just like yeah 16 letters long or minimum um so yeah so i went to university there um and that was a laugh but again i kind of didn't really like the conformity of having to sit in a dark room i'm not really a studio photographer 
I just love to travel and get out. So I did loads of like breakdancing, photography and skateboarding again. Um, we had local gypsies that came through the town. So I went and camped with them for a week um, and just smoked loads of weed and watched them just <laughs> lark around in their caravans for a week and did a kind of photo story on that, which um, everyone loved. And then my old man has a charity in Thailand. So he's been going there for 30 odd years. And he does cataracts operations on people that have oh, wow. you know, glaucoma or whatever it is to restore sight in the refugees. So I decided for my university final, I'd go out and follow him around doing, you know, what he does, which I'd always heard of. I've never been on it. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I went out there for two and a half weeks. And again, that was the travel thing. I was like, I just want to travel and take pictures. Um, and that's where I thought news photography would take me. So then... Um, sorry, I'm probably rambling like a lunatic. But, no, um, I'm enjoying this. So these travels, though, are what gave you the real bug. Yeah, it was kind of just like, I was like, if I'm going to have to have a job, I want to have a job that makes me go places. Because that was all I wanted to do was, like, travel and see new places. So Why I went to London, lived in London. If, yeah, like, if your dad is a doctor and sounds like he's a accomplished and, and studious person, what what was it about your upbringing that maybe made you think, like, uh, I don't want to have a real job and go to school forever? Well, all of my family have traveled. So, like, when I was born about six weeks after, no, probably six months, sorry, after I was born, my dad, my two uncles, a load of his buddies all moved out to Africa to build our eye hospital and train up all the people um, just north of Nairobi. So we lived for two years in Nairobi. And then my old man oh, always wow. traveled. My brother has traveled a lot around Africa um, as a doctor. And my sister's a doctor. I don't know what the f*** happened oh to me. Oh, my but gosh. You really all, yeah. are. You, know you I mean? are the black sheep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. And once you get labeled with it, you really have to sell it. So it's, you know, it's like <laughs> double it. inflicting. You're yeah, doing it. <laughs> um, um, okay. So, yeah. yeah so, so, I, don't know, I think that's where the travel thing came from. Yeah. So, yeah. So then I just did, I did paparazzi stuff. I kind of fell into Wait, wait. Let's go back by, because, let's uh, go back because I know that when you were in school, you wrote your dissertation on propaganda during the Vietnam War and how it was the first mm. documented and televised war. You wanted to be a news photographer. <laughs> Do you know that? I'm great at my job, James. Have you been? Yeah. Well, did you see how I uh, how I spelt photojournalism on my <laughs> dissertation title? I handed it in. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life because I cannot write to save my life. And yeah, it took me so long to do. And I handed it over, and I looked at it, and I was like, "You've got to be shitting me!" I've even put a spelling mistake on the title of it, but still got a two one. I was I was tough as nuts with that. Oh um, yeah. But wait, so because that that idea originally to be a war photographer or even a news photographer requires not just being in the right place and being a good photographer, but, you know, the institutional knowledge to know what you're covering and why it matters. That seems like maybe a little too buttoned up for you. I don't know. Like, I just I love photographing real things and stuff, real things that kind of had meaning, which is ironic that I went into paparazzi. (laughs) But um, yeah, I just kind of like photographing people and emotions like I photographed the the bombings in London and that was f***ing crazy like the intensity the kind of adrenaline and just kind of watching people react in like really shitty situations I kind of found fascinating in a way because I kind of didn't get wound up I get the adrenaline but I'd kind of be able to see you know the wood for the trees or whatever it is so that kind of element of that adrenaline and I almost joined the army when I was 16. Oh, so wow. I kind of, because I liked the idea of the discipline, <laughs> um, <laughs> which, um, yeah, it would have, been a, would have been an interesting thing to see where I would be 24 years later. But, yeah, so I don't know. I think that was why the war thing. And also just, like, studying, like, photographers like Don McCullen and, and reading these biographies of these guys that go off the war. Like, you know, Hurt Locker is an amazing representation of that kind of addiction to what becomes of people that go and photograph like horrific things like that. Yeah. I don't know. I find it kind of morbidly fascinating. So then how do you go from being a news photographer in England to deciding, okay, I'm going to move over to the States and be a paparazzi? Because of a f-ing woman. <laughs> Always. Um, no, so, Always. Yeah. It's the birds. So <laughs> I was living in Brixton and I was doing the paparazzi thing, kind of like I do red carpets, I do the odd tips. 
you know, I do news stories. I was doing it in London, and I met this chick called, uh, sorry, this lady called Miriam, who um, was awesome, and we, like, started dating, and she worked in theatre, and she's like, oh, I've got a year placement in New York City, so, like, you can just come out and see me once a month, um, which <laughs> we kind of did for a bit, and when doing it, every time I'd go over there, I'd always get some jobs to do so that I could make some money, bumped into loads of English paps out there, and they were like, mate, what are you doing? If you want to come and work out here, we'll get you a visa. This is company that's like, you know, just hiring English photographers because they like the way that we worked with the newspapers and stuff. Um, we'll get you a job. You can be out here. And six weeks later, I had a visa and a packed bag, and I moved out to New York City, and I was, was it 26? I'm just, I, like, I had to write it down because I lost track of time after <laughs> Um, my 28th birthday. So, yes, yeah, so I moved out here just and I just turned, uh, yeah, I was 26. And um, we instantly broke up because she was shagging someone at work. And oh, no. uh, she moved back to London and I stayed. Oh, yeah. oh. Did you get any photos of it? or? <laughs> no, I think if I had a camera in my hand, I would have belted him with it. So, uh, yeah, uh, anyway. Um, so, yeah, so she moved back. Best thing that ever happened. Um, and so then I gallivanted around New York for... A year until I went into Swift one very fortunate night. And uh, to our utter amazement, a bachelorette walked in um, and there was my wife. And that's when I met Kate. Not uh, the bachelorette one, one would hope. One of the friends of the What's bachelorette. That? No, no, yeah, yeah, stole her. That's how what a great thing. No. This woman who was about yeah. to get married walked in and I yeah, made sure like, to mess that. He's successful, rich, stable. Come over here. I can pictures. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so that was crazy. So then, I mean, obviously, in between that, I was a paparazzi photographer for, like, four years, and it was f***ing wild in New York City. It was the best fun you could have with your clothes on. I swear to God. Like, just running around with a bunch of mates, just doing crazy stakeouts and crazy chases and just, just everything. It was just, like, it was just so much fun. It was fun when it was fun, and it was f***ing horrendously boring when it was boring. Just hours and hours of just staring at the door. Yeah, you've told me before that you would spend like 14 or 15 hours in the back of an SUV hiding. Can't leave to eat, yeah. can't leave to go to the bathroom. So let's talk about that. Where are you going to the bathroom? You just have like a, a bowl near you in case number two comes along? You just have a massive water jug. Oh, for number two? Yeah. You just try not to eat much. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent... I spent Four days in a car park in Arizona in the middle of summer, oh. and I wouldn't be able to turn the car on because it would give away that someone was in it. So it gets to about 100 degrees. I'd be like, if I ever got caught, it would have been fucking hilarious because there would have been an English pasty white bloke with like boxer shorts on, sweating like a ham sandwich at a bar mitzvah, surrounded by bottles of tea and a camera. But it got so hot inside this, <laughs> inside this car. But I'd snuck in when the security guard was out with my car, and I managed to get in without the pass by tailgating someone in. Parked up, so I was backed out so I could see the entrance of where all the people were coming out of this place. And, and what uh, were you looking for at this, in this one? James Cracknell. I don't know if you remember that bloke. He was an Olympic medalist rower in the like late 80s, 90s. Okay. And he was going to do this amazing thing across America where he was going to run, cycle, and row basically across America, like raising awareness and something like that. And he basically started off in LA and everything went great. And he got to like Arizona, he got clipped by a truck. I shouldn't laugh. It's horrible. Oh, um, no. Yeah. He got clipped by a truck with a wing mirror on the back of his head. And he got like a traumatic brain injury. Um, and he got rushed into this hospital and we got tipped off where it was. And the son oh, were gosh. like, yes, yeah, the first picture of him coming out on crutches. Did you get it? Which I did. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, we'll get into the morality was, of all this a little bit later, because I know that that comes up for you, for you later. Then you Not only are you miserable in a car park in a car in the middle of the summer, but also what you're looking for is this photo of someone in their darkest moment, essentially. That's crazy. But tell me the cave one. The cave one is insane. The cave one? Was that the one in the Baha in Bermuda? When I kind you of were trying to get a like wedding, a I think? Whack. And the only angle yeah. for the wedding was like Montel a cave in the side Williams. of a mountain? No, 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 Montel Williams. Was it Montel Williams? Who was the bald guy with the mustache? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Is that Montel Williams? Yeah. Well, he's one so, of the yeah. bald guys with the mustache that exists in the world. Yeah. Well, no, I know. Look, sorry, <laughs> Steve Harvey. I know you own that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, just saying, 
so yes, yeah, so he was getting married to Sunbird, and the People magazine were like, right, go to Bermuda and go and try and get pictures of it because Us Weekly had the rights for the wedding. So we'd always get this thing where Us Weekly would get the rights or one of the magazines would get the rights. And they would, then the other magazine would get the ships and go, all right, we'll pay, loads, we'll pay you on day rates. So we got the tip. If you get the pictures, then, you know, you get, the, you get a split of the money, but you then blow up their exclusive. And the funny thing is, is that you'd often be going up against your mates and you'd spot them and you'd be like, <laughs> it's Ben Wilson. He'd go, oh, I'm going to have to see him later on. It's like pretty awkward. But, um, yeah, so we got sent out to Bermuda. And uh, first time I've been to Bermuda, amazing place. And so we f***ed around and we found out where the beach was. And there was one entrance on one side of the cove and one entrance on the other side. But it was all, one side was in a private golf course and the other was on this like sketchy private land. It was under construction, but the security from the hotel kept like driving around. So me and my mate Jason were like, the only way we're going to do it is getting in there the night before and we'll just camp out and like, you know, put literally like palm tree leaves over us and just (laughs) sleep there. And then wake up in the morning and then just sit there and then wait until the following evening for the wedding thing. And so when we decided this, we were like, okay, well, we're going to have to do that now. So we ditched the bikes and literally all I had on me was half a bottle of rum and about 20 cigarettes. Jason had a bottle of water and a nut bar. So he went (laughs) off to the other side and yeah, we just sat there and like a crazy cat lady came through. Um, That was quite terrifying. And then, yeah, just lots of lizards, just have a lot of conversations with lizards. For quite for a while, long? and then yeah, well, till the wedding started. It, then that was in like four o'clock the following day. So you just kind of sit around having a snooze, all the rest of it. There's always security guards coming around checking photographers. You'd have to make sure you're always hidden. And we had walkie-talkies, so I could speak to Jason, but we wouldn't put them on because if security catch your waves, then you uh, you know catch your frequency, then you're done for. So yeah, then uh, wedding started. We absolutely nailed it. Blew up the exclusive. Um, snuck back out, got hammered, and then got on a plane. And the funny thing was we'd spent all day trying to find, well, two days beforehand trying to find Montel Williams and where, where the f***ing wedding would be and all the rest of it. And we got to get on the plane. And I got upgraded for some unknown reason and sat next to Montel Williams the entire <laughs> way back with his wife next to him, just going, this is f***ing hilarious. Did you just tell him? gin tonics. No, of course not. I was like, yeah, I just blew up your exclusive on your wedding. Um <laughs> So, yeah, just stuff like that was always kind of mental. Um, And it was just, yeah, it was just, like, fun. You just travel and go places, like, drop of a hat. And that that I love. So you got a ride from Angelina Jolie once? Yes, that was fun. Um, So that was pretty soon after I'd moved to New York. I realized there was, in our group of paps at Splash, we'd always have one on a motorbike, one on a moped, uh, one on a push bike, two in a car. And the reason for that is because if you're following and they go on the FDR, the bikes are absolutely <laughs> unless you're Lance Armstrong or whatever. Um, and so we'd always have a motorbike so they could keep up with it in cars just to carry all the gear and all the rest of it. And if it goes on the highway, they go <laughs> So we got a tip that Angelina Jolie was at the Waldorf. So me and uh, my mate Aaron were watching it for like two days, just kind of keeping a really low profile. You never want the other paps to see you as well. And then we saw her come out. We're like, hell, this is amazing. So we followed her for like two days, got loads of pictures, got chatting to the security guard. And he was a former SAS guy, English guy, really cool. We were like, look, we're not going to blow this up. We're not going to get in their face. We just want to take discreet pictures. So he got really cool and really chummy with us. Then um, it finally leaked to all the other paps that they were in town. And then Brad Pitt and all the kids turned up. And it was the first time, I think... I forget how many, which one it was, but they just adopted their latest child. Yeah. I'm so bad. Well, there's, I, I there's can't remember the Pax, um, I think, and Maddox, and then they had like yeah, three of their of own, that. I think. They had yeah. Silo, and yeah. Anyway, yeah. so they all turned up. So then it was a f***ing shit show because there was like 50 packs, probably 40 cars. And the Waldorf is crazy because there's four exits. So they can come out of any exit. They can send divert cars. They can like... It's just constant cat and mouse. So you're always watching for security guards, the cars, you're watching other paps, other paps are watching you. It just became crazy. So after like two really mental chases in the city, the security guard came up to me and he's like, we can't have this going on. Like, this is crazy. We're going to tell you when we come out and you on your bike are going to sit behind the lead car 
so the other cars can't try and get really close behind. When you're chasing oh, a celebrity... Really, really safe they, for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was the idea. They were like, oh, they won't knock one of their own off on a bicycle. And there's this f***ing <laughs> dotty English bloke toddling around on his mountain bike. Um, so, yeah, so we did that for a while. And it worked really well. And, you know, I'd be, like, flying down Park Avenue... 30 miles an hour on my mountain bike alongside the car with Angelina Jolie and they'd be like Shiloh plastered up on the window like sticking his <laughs> nose out and tongue on the window it was, quite, it was pretty cool um, so that went on for quite a while and I got to kind of you know they would give me tips so that we would divert the all the other paps off and then just follow them and then one day she was coming back from Letterman and she went on the West Side Highway and I bombed ahead and I saw her pull off so I went up another street and as I was going over one of the potholes, I got a flat tire. So you're still on your bike now? Yeah, I was on my push bike. And, yeah, so I was running back to my mate's car to throw the bike in. And I ran past the car with Angelina in. And Dave, the driver, ran down the window. And he's like, Lance, what's going on? They nicknamed me Lance. I don't know why. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I was like, mate, can't do any more. Um, you know, tapped out, kind of got a flat tire. And she ran down the window. And she was like, do you want a lift? And I was like, yeah. It, all right. So I literally just threw the bike on the side of the walk. And we had walkie-talkies so that all the paps that were on my or on our team could kind of talk to each other. So it was just f***ing chaos going on over the radio. And I just sat in there, sweating like f***ing looked like shit. And she'd just come out of Letterman and just looked f***ing sensational. And so she sat in the back and then a stylist and a, I don't know, someone else. And then, yeah, we drove all the way back to the Waldorf for like 45 minutes in traffic, just chatting. And she was fascinated by like, why are we so obsessed? Like, what would you do if you went one way? And, you know, if me and Brad split up, like, how do you work it? Like, she just found it so wow crazy that, you know, there was this kind of hype and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it was very cool. Um, and after crazy. that, like, yeah, then, uh, then I, I chased her. Actually, we then went to Chicago because she was filming that amazing film, Wanted. <laughs> so, like, once you have an, a relationship with that guy, does he tell you where, where she's going to be even in Chicago? Or is it sort no, of like, all no, right, no, we no, helped no. you out they, and now? Like, no, it's still, I mean, they've still got to kind of protect. And, and like, he would he would never give us tips or anything like that. He would only give us tips if there was, like, loads of packs. And he was like, look, we're going to send a decoy car. Right, if they, you can this help. This is what's going to happen. If you can, like, lead the charge and get everyone to go, we're going to come out this door and you can have someone on a moped or something like that. So often they'd send the car out and I'd go riding for, like, two hours around the city. Meanwhile, they'd ducked out a side door and my mate Aaron would just be shooting them, kind of, oh, you know, with wow. no one else around. So, so was, you were yeah, just getting a great, a fun thing. You're getting a great like workout. <laughs> Yeah, you were, yeah, you were, you were yeah. getting great work out being the, the day, decoy. Absolutely knackered. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was um, just fun. Yeah, I mean, they're crazy stories. I know you also, uh, you shot Anna Nicole Smith's funeral. Um, what are some of the other crazy ones or, or crazy people that you got sent down on? I nearly fell in Anna Nicole Smith's grave and got the most uncontrollable giggles in no. the most inappropriate timing. No. And it was f***ing hilarious. So we were paid by... People magazine, there was Larry David, and who was the other one, the old white, weird guy? Larry David was the like gay guy with blonde hair, right? Who had the kid. What are we talking about here? Like, about Anna Nicole Smith, because it was at the funeral. There was like the weirdest thing where there were like the two husbands or partners around. Oh, Nicole no. Smith. Larry David is curb your enthusiasm. No, yeah, no. I mean, yeah, that's how rumors start, isn't it? Um, yeah. Larry. What was his name? Her um, husband? Anyway, whatever. The two weird husbands <laughs> were there, and it was the most awkward thing. Oh, like the like, old guy. So, like, the... yeah, you know the old guy, and then there was. But he the was other dead guy. before she was, right? No, I don't know. I didn't think so. <laughs> I don't know. It shows how much. Like, that's the problem. I just gave absolutely zero f**ks about these people. Like, everyone would always say, like, "Oh, did you ever get starstruck?" I'd be like, "No, couldn't give a shit." Like, they're just normal people. Like, what is the? I don't. I don't get it. Um, but yeah. So anyway, the funeral was really bad and, and like pretty awkward inside the church and then they walked her casket out it was so bad to this like tent and what they did is they put that fake grass over all the little gravestones that right. were flat on the floor which meant you couldn't tell where anything was and as one of the i'm going to say larry david because it just sounds way better as larry david was sprinkling rose petals <laughs> into anna nicole smith's grave i was like 
fucking, that's a great shot. And I went to move to get the picture, and my foot slipped off one of the gravestones, oh. and I just fell forward. And I literally, like, grabbed the rails, and my camera was hanging from my neck, as everyone was oh. like, <laughs> like, rose petals hitting the back of my head. I was like, oh, shit. And I just started pissing myself laughing. And that was, yeah, that was, I wasn't, oh, yeah, my that God. was, uh, it was now, quite funny. On reflection, did, everyone was like, do you know, like, that will be in the video. They, I think they had to cut <laughs> it out or they had to redo it. Oh, my gosh. Were you so hired to it. work it? I mean, it would have been like, better if I'd you... actually fallen in. Right, of course. Then it would have really been Larry David. It would have actually been on Curb Your Enthusiasm because right, that exactly. would definitely be a plot for that for that show. Wait, so were you supposed to be hidden paparazzi or were you, like, Oh, no, to... no, no. So because she had an amazing deal. So she was one of the first who had, like, a really good deal with the agency. So all these, like, older celebs would have a contract with an agency and say, we'll give you exclusive rights to everything, but we want 60% of sales or whatever it may be. So they would invite us into certain things to shoot, and we'd then set, the, the agency would then sell it to, you know, magazines or whatever. So we were actually official photographers then. That's why I think none of us could do a very good job, because we were, like, we're all wearing ties, and within, like, 10 yeah. feet of the person we're trying to photograph. What the right. is going on? Yeah, um, yeah it's quite funny. That was in the uh, Bahamas. That was, yeah, good times there. So you uh, you mentioned that you'd run into other paparazzi people you were trying to steal exclusives from, whatever. Would there be, like, paparazzi fights? Like, if you're trying to fight over a space or a, a shot or something? Uh, they'd always be, like, there'd always be scraps when in the city when it was, like, sh- uh, we'd call it short and flash. So, like, when you know they're coming out of somewhere, you know you see that crazy scrum of everyone just acting like dickheads falling over each other trying to get the picture that's when it would get like quite hung kung fui but i was all right because i'm six foot three so i just stand at the back and shoot over everyone and sort of not really care about uh about that sort of thing but yeah no never real scraps we used to have quite a few scraps with uh security guards which is quite good fun jude law right. i squared off to him i wanted to knock his head off but i couldn't punch him first so yeah yeah that jude was law fun. himself but, or jude law's security <laughs> No, Jude Law himself. <laughs> what but did he do? He's just a knob. I mean, like, I was standing, <laughs> standing outside his apartment, and he came back with some bird. I think it was just after we'd broken up with Sienna, or I can't remember. No, maybe it was the bird that he um, got pregnant in um, Pensacola, the nanny. But anyway, um, so he's coming back. It was about four o'clock in the morning, and I was on assignment for the sun. I was sitting in my car outside his apartment, and I saw him walking down the street, and I thought, oh, and he had a girl on his arm, so I just jumped out and I hosed him down. And he was like, giving it all the rest of it. And I was like, all right, mate, just doing my job. Sorry, like, go inside. You've got a beautiful woman on your arm. Go and have a laugh. And as I was walking back, he put the girl inside the apartment and came back down the stairs. What the f*** did you say? And, uh, yeah, just kind of squared off, got in my face. But, um, <laughs> quite funny. Uh, all right, we're Again, going to speed. just, like, not face. Yeah. Uh, we're going speed round for a couple on these. So uh, who's All the right. toughest celebrity to get that you would always get assigned to and you couldn't get? Uh, and then the, yeah, that's Keith Urban. Was, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. He's the hardest. Okay. Who's the nicest? Tom Hanks. Oh, good. Robin that's Williams so nice is to hear. fun as well. Yeah, yeah. I bet. Yeah. Uh, who's the meanest? Jude Law. Ben Affleck. <laughs> Sober oh. and drunk. Yeah. Uh, what's um, the thing you shot that you felt the guiltiest about? Not celebrity-wise. I don't really give a shit about them. I used to. I had to photograph a dead body once in a car crash, oh. and that was really bad. Oh, God, so yeah. like It was an 18-year-old kid. Yeah. Oh. What was the biggest payday for? What shot or what shoot? Oh, when I was in Jamaica when I nearly died. So I went to Jamaica to photograph Ashley Simpson and Pete Wentz just after they got married. And, uh, yeah, it was with, there with Jason. We pretended to be a gay couple. It was hilarious. Him okay. having to wipe sunscreen into my back in the Four Seasons was one of the funniest things I've ever done. But, um, yeah, so we went out there for, I can't remember which magazine. We found out which hotel they were in, so we checked in. And then, uh, yeah, shot them out through the window um, from the balcony and spent, like, five days on it. It was quite cool. So give me a ballpark. How much you get paid for that? Do they cover your flights and everything else too? Oh uh, well, you see, I was on commission, so I I didn't work. So the way it worked was you either worked as a freelance, which meant you eat, you eat what you kill. Basically, you go out, you get a picture, you sell it for a thousand bucks, you'll get six hundred of it, like sixty forty, whatever it is. 
or you work for an agency where they give you a salary, you do a lot more like travel and day rates. There's no risk of spending money because you're getting a salary, but you only get a much smaller commission on the pictures that you sell. So I was on that slide. So I didn't get massive commission checks because they kind of, you had to work for a very long time for it all snowball up. But I think that sold for about 35, 40 grand. Okay. All right. All right. So I was going to, I was going to get to this next anyway. So take your time with this. You're going to shoot Ashley Simpson and Pete Wentz's wedding. Tell us about being, uh, you know, pretending to be the gay couple and then your eventual near death. Yeah. So, well, to preface this, so this was in March. I went out there, but in December, early December, I was on a door watch, seven day door watch for Britney Spears' dad in Shreveport, Louisiana, which is a delightful town. Um, and <laughs> so I'd sit in the car for like 15 hours looking in my rearview mirror on his door to see if he left. This is that for like seven days. And while I was doing that, I got this crazy pain in my leg, which when I rang my dad, he's a doctor, was like, oh, you might have had a DVT, go and get it checked out. So off I went to the doctors, they did an ultrasound on my leg and uh, nothing, nothing there. So I was like, you know, happy days. I was 28, um, living the life. And off I went to Jamaica. Um, and when we landed, I had this weird stitch in my left lung. And uh, I didn't think much of it. I smoked like a chimney. So but you were like, what, 27? I was, yeah, I was 27. So, so you were young. You know, and I was indestructible. Like, you know, I was like 27. I'm in Jamaica, photographed, like in a f-ing crazy hotel, photographing a bunch of people I don't give a shit about. Like, this is the best thing ever. So anyway, we started getting really good pictures, but... I was getting in loads of pain. I couldn't like breathe properly. And every time I took a breath, it felt like someone was stabbing me in the lung. So I started munching paracetamol. That wasn't really working. The drinking rum, that wasn't working. And then I started coughing. Every time I coughed up, I'd like cough up a mouthful of blood. I was like, oh, oh wow. And we'd always work on like fairly sketchy kind of terms with this agency so like we'd always go in as a tourist visa we'd never be working but we just so happened to have our camera gear it was very much like we'd go in we'd shoot the pictures and we'd get out as quickly as you can before you know you're going back to the same place over and over again so i was like can i go to the hospital here and they were like yeah probably best that you don't and also i was like i don't want to get stuck in jamaica if something really bad happened so I tapped out. I was like, right, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to fly back to New York. So I go on and play. So you left before before you got the shot or you stuck around long enough no, no, to get no, the we've shot? Got, we've got loads of pictures. We, we, I was there for like a week, I think, seven, eight days. And we were like wrapping it up. We were like, we've got everything that we need. The magazine were over the moon. They're like, we're not paying $1,000 for you to stay in the Four Seasons a day and drink $500 <laughs> worth of rum. Um, so you're coming back. So we were like, okay, great. That's brilliant because I'm in a bad shape so i got on a plane flew to new york by the time i got off the plane i was like in a pretty bad way like i couldn't really breathe i couldn't just catch my breath but i was carrying all my camera gear and trying to get through customs from jamaica and finally got through and sort of like collapsed like my legs gave way i rang my brother who's like a, a intensive care doctor and was like, mate, just got off a plane, uh, got a bit of pain in my chest, keep coughing up blood. And he was hammered at a party. It was like four o'clock in the oh morning. My God. And he sobered up and was like, what the f***? You're a dickhead. Like, he's my younger brother. He's actually my older brother. <laughs> so he was like, you're an idiot. Go to the f***ing hospital now. Like, you could have had a pneumothorax. Like, you could drop dead any second. So I was like, all right, okay. So I got in a taxi and, yeah, went to Bellevue and uh, transpired I had a six-centimeter blood clot inside my heart stuck on my tricuspid valve. So oh they rushed God. me up into intensive care and uh, they were going to go in through my groin and it was going to be like an hour operation. So I was like, no, dear, you know, no, no drama. And then there was more doctors and more scans and all the rest of it. And then they were like, oh, no, we've got to actually go in through your chest and take your heart out and cut it open and cut the clot out and then stitch it all back up together and stick it in and zap it and hope you come around and I was like oh that just sounds a little bit more uh, a little bit more crazy and the doctor just looked at me and he was like yeah you need to call kind of you know everyone that you love and care about and so yeah rang my mum and dad obviously um, and then rang Kate and was like we'd only been dating for about six months and I was like going in for this op um you know they said it could be you know quite risky and i should tell people that i care about you know that i love them and so i did and uh 
yeah, she jumped on a plane, flew back, and uh, was there when I woke up. She's a rock wow. star. Wow. How scared were you? Did you, yeah. did you, did you feel confident you were going to come out of it? I had no clue, to be honest with you. And I think that's kind of the best way to go into it. Like, I didn't quite understand the gravity of it until this one doctor, like, finally got down kind of eye level and said, look, this is a really f***ing big deal. Like, you need to know that, you know, that there's a, you know, you're, you're going to be effectively have your heart outside of your body for three to four hours while we try and sort it out. So at that point, I was like, oh, f- well, if I go, I go. I just don't want to wake up and be like a jellyhead. That was my right. biggest worry. Right. I was like, I just, if I go, cool, that's fine. I just don't want to wake up and be like, knackers, that's a shit card. Right. Um, but yeah, so I came out seven, like seven days later, like they popped me out of hospital and said, you're, you're good, off, off you go. And then I developed, they gave me the wrong medication. So I then developed another massive blood clot on the, on the scar of the heart and that went and got what? stuck in the other lung. So then I was, um, yeah, I've been back in hospital for another week and then, yeah, came out. I couldn't be cool for three months. I just basically went to rehab with a bunch of like fat 60 year old men who smoked 20 cigars and drank 18 bottles of red wine a day. And they were like, I don't know why I had a heart attack. <laughs> um, and I was just like 28 year old kid going, well, f- I did have a nose like a Dyson, but, you know, 28, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> uh, and it eventually um, caused you to stop. You, you got fired, right? Because you couldn't bike and carry around your bags. And Well, yeah. So then I just had like a, I had a shit run then. So I was like, it, this all happened on my 28th birthday. So I was like, hey, that's cool. So yeah, so then I got back, tried to get back into work. I mean, I couldn't do anything for three months. They were like, you can't do anything. Like your heart's like really fragile you've got really slowly build it back up yada 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 so i was like fine i just sat at home and just got bored out of my tiny mind of course all my mates and everyone else is like running off to exact you know exotic places and doing crazy jobs and all the rest of it um so then i got back into i was able to work then after i think three months which was nuts on reflection and i was like cavalier and like yeah this will be fine and I jumped straight back on the bike and was like, F- riding's hard because the hardest thing was not the physical exercise, but where they cracked my chest open. When I had the backpack on, it would pull my shoulders apart. So I had really bad pains in my chest, which was quite nerve wracking when you just had open heart surgery. <laughs> so I couldn't really do much. And I couldn't, you know, I was very scared of like sitting in a car for more than 10 minutes. So I was like, I'm never sitting in a car again. I'm like, if I'm going anywhere, I'm riding or I'm walking. Right. So my sales started to like plummet and plummet and plummet. And then the delightful recession hit. And they were like, yep, we've got to cut. We're going to cut all the dead weight. And so they fired me, this asshole of my old boss, fired me on my birthday a year later from Mm. the job that almost killed me. Yeah. Gary Morgan. Nice bloke. <laughs> Bit of a <laughs> <laughs> So you're fired from the paparazzi life and mm. you you uh shortly thereafter propose or had you already proposed or when did this brilliant no, new idea no, no. come into so your mind? Bless- no, so Kate was just a trooper and like kind of stuck through me stuck with me while I kind of went through all that trying to get back in and then so after after I got fired from that, I got the shit and was just like you photography. Um, I went and worked in a restaurant as a waiter and it was like f***ing amazing fun um, and made a shitload of money. English accent goes a long way in uh, New York City totally. when you're waiting tables. Oh, so, yeah, the ladies? Um, yeah, just throwing money. Yeah, I mean, you know, but then it was <laughs> ironic because then I'd like, I was in this restaurant called Cook Shop and like I'd serve Jimmy Fallon all the time and be like, this is f***ing <laughs> hilarious. Like these f***ing <laughs> people are everywhere I go and I just, I don't really give a shit about it. Kate Winslet was another one who used to come in all the time. And she actually recognized me because we had a shouting match in the street once. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was a bit awkward. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I did that for a bit. And then I got kind of back into photography, working with a company in London, doing just kind of crazy documentaries and doing a bit of video and like more news story stuff, which was good fun. And then I proposed to my wife and she remarkably said yes. Um, and <laughs> That's kind of where the idea came about. I was like, it would have been cool to have, like, really discreet, nice, chilled pictures of, like, 
you know, the proposal, because I don't remember any of it. I was shaking like a shifting dog most of the time until it was over. Um, so, like, just to have the moment captured would have been really cool. So that's when the kind of the idea pops into the noggin. And from there, I just kind of started doing a bit of research. And I was like, no one's doing it. I was like, I know loads of photographers that would shoot this stuff, you know, all day long. It's so easy. Um, I don't want to get back in the pack game. So I'm going to see if I can do this. So I then kind of went about putting together a business plan, trying to work out like the market revenues, all that boring shit. And then launched the company, managed to raise some money for it. Launched the company, though. Greatest mistake of my life was the name. <laughs> so the original name was Pap the Question. I thought a clever play on words. However, most people thought we were an online gynecological questionnaire yeah, company. Yep, they couldn't even say the word. So we think like, when we hear Pap around here. Stores. Yeah. 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 They were like... It was like, it's just hilarious. It was like, I didn't realize how powerful a three-letter word could be. But um, <laughs> so yeah, after a while, I was like, hmm, I'm getting some pushback on this name. Let me change the name. <laughs> so yeah, then I changed it to Paparazzi Proposals. And uh, yeah, and then things just went a bit f***ing nuts, really. I, I went on the like, Today Show um, and like Matt Lure, or whatever his name is. Matt um, Lauer, yes. Yeah. Oh, great Um he, uh, he, uh, sorry, so inappropriate. Um, he interviewed me and I kind of did some funny stuff with him when uh, Prince Harry got caught. Not Prince Harry, Prince William. Remember when Kate Middleton got caught with a tits out in France? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they just got married. Well, yeah, my mate Ben Wilson. No, I don't think it was Ben Wilson, but I'm not going to say any names. It could get someone in a lot of trouble. Someone <laughs> I know of photographed that and... It wasn't just the tits out that there was the issue. Apparently, she was polishing the old crown jewels, if you know what I mean. Oh, and wow. And that's why they got so het up about the pictures, because they were like, don't really need that going out. Um, anyway, can't even remember what I was yabbing Well, you were on TV now. talking um, about it. They went to, they went to the, yeah, uh, the yeah, best yeah. So Matt, source yeah, of information about like, so paparazzi morality, to... you. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, well, it's simple. You don't want to get pictured topless don't get you tipped out and i said that on the today show oh um, wow yeah, yeah to matt lauer um, to matt lauer yeah yeah, yeah. All, all of the people hmm. <laughs> so but you did but do yeah, a lot of media for your company including shark tank yeah. and you got an offer but then you decided against it and it feels like you probably was the right move You're, you don't have to pay 30 percent of what you make to the, to those sharks yeah i mean like it was a weird deal so like shark tank amazing experience like Laurie and Kevin, really, really lovely people. Like they're people that I worked with, very, very cool. Um, I don't realize how many of the kind of deals after the show break down because obviously, you know, you're making decisions right there and then and giving out, you know, all the information. So yeah, it didn't, it didn't happen. But to be honest with you, it was awesome because they keep playing it <laughs> and right. it just keeps getting replayed and replayed. So yeah, that was a very cool experience. Very lucky, but kind of bit me in the ass because you can't protect the style of photography. So it's like the first wedding photographer going out there and standing at, you know, a church and saying, it, I'm going to take pictures for a wedding. Yeah. No one can stop everyone else doing it. So it was like a massive success. We got loads of business and then it crashed. And I was like, what's going on? And it was because basically everyone had then copied it and lowered prices mm. and all the rest of it. So yeah, it's been a bit of a struggle. We're back up on track now. And of course, that led to the greatest invention, which I know you're just <laughs> busting at the crotch to start talking about. Speaking of crotch, uh, yeah. crotch seams. Yeah, you so, know how many people have spoken to me about those trousers? So uh, to catch everyone up, I was, you know, watching sport, sporting events, trolling around on Twitter, and someone tweets into my timeline this short video for this great invention where it looks like a camera phone case. And when you actually open it, a ring pops up and you can then record video or photos of someone as you're proposing. So you would need a paparazzi proposal. Let's say, for instance, I got engaged in the middle of Africa, right? So we probably couldn't afford to, to fly you on out there, James, to record. So my husband oh, kind of done it. Oh, you're doing all right, Sarah. You'd be, yeah. you'd be able to fly me out. <laughs> maybe now. Maybe now. Maybe not yeah. before. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs> Things are going sorry. well now. Maybe not before. And so I saw this very funny video that's not supposed to be funny, but I found it funny because the gentleman proposing has like seams 
on the crotch of his jeans that almost are like, almost like underwear, like in the placement. And so I said, you know, I don't know what's worse, this phone thing or this guy's crotch seams. What is he wearing? And then I posted it to Facebook, and there you were swooping in with the, hey, I invented that. Uh, <laughs> so then I start amazing. pouring sweat, and I was like, oh, my God, I feel so bad. I mean, I'm sure it's actually I, a know, good I invention. So. This guy's jeans just really threw me off. So then I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Well, I hope you didn't hire that actor. Well, I hope you don't actually know him. Ha ha, hope he's not your best friend. <laughs> and then you came in with, that's the guy who invented it with me. Oh, pouring <laughs> more buckets of sweat. Oh my god! And my friends were like, "We watched the exchange as it happened." Like, what? Huh? Yeah, huh? it was amazing. I was drunk. I was like about to go to bed, and I was like, "What?" Oh my god, this is amazing. Kate was like, "What are you doing? Why have you got your badge that says Inventor James?" Which, to be honest, I've I've not really won many awards, but that is the f-ing greatest present I've ever got. Oh, Outside gosh. of my kids, obviously. Of course, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. So. So it does allow people to stream it live or take photos or videos as they're proposing. It has like a battery pack in it so it doesn't look suspicious. And so if you aren't somewhere where you can have a paparazzi hiding in the bushes and taking photos or videos. This was the the thing. So Keith, lovely, lovely bloke, my mate, came to me. uh, Yeah. Let's call him (laughs) Kevin from now on. Kevin, lovely bloke, came to me, wanted to do a proposal. So we did this crazy proposal up in Boston and we used this company called RingCam, which were these guys from like MIT who hid a camera inside a ring box so that when you flipped it open, it would record their reaction, right? Pretty good idea. But the yeah. ring boxes were massive and the quality was shit. And also, as soon as you opened it, it just shot the camera either straight up her nose or into her tits, <laughs> depending on the angle of it, which were not great angles for proposals. Anyway, Kevin used this product and was like, it's a bit shit. I think we can make it better. And I was like, yeah, actually, all we ever get. So we like spend, you know, time, creativity, years of educational teaching to take beautiful pictures. And 98% of our clients just go, how do I get it on my phone? Like, that's all they want. They're like, yeah, yeah, I don't care, whatever. How are you going to edit it? No, I just need it for Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it kind of just beat me down to the point where, like, photography is just f***ing pointless in the sense of, like, it has to just be on the phone. It has to be in the phone. And we also had loads of guys saying, why do jewelers torment us by giving us these enormous ring cases with a yeah. you know, fairly good-sized diamond in it? Like, where are you supposed to hide it? So I was like, hang on a minute. We've got, like, a problem of size in the ring box, and we need to be able to get it into the phone as soon as possible. So, yeah, I basically just started sketching. I bought loads of phone cases and I started with like tape and plastic and bits of paper and all the rest of it. And basically came up with the fundamental idea design with, with Kevin. And um, we were like, okay, let's see if we can get it patented. Because if we can patent it, then we're laughing. So we were like, all right. So we found a patent lawyer and we grounds enough money together between us to kind of pay for it to get patented and it got patented straight off the bat like sent back we got two patents off the bat and we were like holy shit this is crazy like now we own the patent like we should you know get into production so we were trying to anyway we tried to fund it but uh it kind of fell through because phone cases keep changing but in the meantime Mm. we made this video in central park thought (laughs) we'll just stick it out see if we get any press from it and it went absolutely banana. It's been viewed about 50, 60 million times. Jimmy Fallon did a three-minute sketch on it on his tonight. It was hilarious. Oh, um, so, yeah. So is it still in the works, or is it not really going to work because the case has changed too much? So we, it's, it, we kind of hit a bit of a, a stalling point. We were, trying, we were going to sell it to a company who were interested in it, and then that fell through. So, yeah, as it stands right now, we're just sitting on the pan and uh, – you know, seeing if a phone case company wants it or if yeah. an investor wants to come in and take it off. Right, well, I think it'd be a cool idea. The listeners, if that's what yeah. she said, if you want the rock shock, crotch yeah. seams included, then and or you could get it minus the crotch seams. Reach there you out. Go. You reach out. Oh, that's right. Um, um, oh my gosh, I could talk to you forever, but we're running out of time, so I'm you have sorry. to do the one thing. Rambling mess. No, no. I mean, this—it's very British of you, and it's very endearing when it's a Brit. I'll tell you that much. It is. It changes <laughs> everything. All right. <laughs> uh, you have to, yeah. 
Yeah, you have to do the one thing, though, that everybody does and nobody expects before Didn't you Didn't expect a kind of Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. That's right, the Russell 10 things. Brent? No, it's Monty Python, you fool. What are you? Oh, You're British, for Pete's different. sake. I know. Get a hold of your life. That was quite bad. But <laughs> dad's going to disown Really embarrassing, that. and I'm definitely not taking it out. All right, number one. What's your Desert Island album? You can only have one. Can I just give a band, or do I have to have an album? I'll allow a band. Rolling Stones. All right, good choice. I'll give it to you. Number two, what habit or quality do you think has contributed most to your success? Smoking loads of weed. (laughs) Number three, what would you consider your biggest failure? Smoking loads of weed. (laughs) Number four, have you ever been in a a fist fight? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, you have, for sure. All right, yes. Number five, if you could switch lives with anyone for a day, who would it be? Should I inflict loads of, uh, Donald Trump. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, and then number I'll six. The world. Uh, number six, what's the most embarrassed you've ever been? Don't know, ask me after this podcast goes out. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I haven't got a clue. I don't really get embarrassed. It doesn't seem know. like you would, no. No, I think that's an honest Falling answer. Falling in Anna Nicole Smith's grave. That was, yeah, that's that was mildly embarrassing. embarrassing. Uh, number seven. Oh, What's I did find about- a job interview once when I coughed. That was quite embarrassing because he knew I fired and I knew I fired, but I just had to carry on. You know when you cough and it catches yeah. you by surprise? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but it was clear as day. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> Carry on. Didn't get the job either. <laughs> it's shocking. Um, Weird. <laughs> what's the thing about yourself you'd most like to improve? <sighs> Patience. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, if you could be the commissioner of life for a day, what one rule would you enforce that all of society would have to adhere to? Just be nice. Stop being yeah. dickheads to each other. <laughs> that so seems to be it. the answer everyone gives for the last like year or so. I think we're all yeah, devolving into so a state bored of, of anger. about the world coming to the end. I'd also yeah. like to give a massive shout out to the Australian firefighters. I know my wife's Australian, and I don't think people in America really grasp the magnitude of the devastation that is happening in that country. And it's really awful. Please, everyone yeah. donate because that country is being ravaged. And, and it's uh, the best. It's really it's sad. The best place. It's a wonderful place. Uh, yeah. Number nine. What's the most scared you've ever been? Oh. Asking my wife to marry me. <laughs> I don't know. No. I don't know. Um. I mean, the near death thing might have been up there. Yeah, that was pretty big. But <laughs> yeah. No. Don't know. That's uh, the yeah, time Jude Law was going to fight you. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> no, that wasn't scary. That was hilarious. Um. Yeah, let's go with nearly dying. Oh, yeah. no, my biggest fear? Not getting a motorbike. That's the okay. thing I'm most scared Coming of. Coming back around to that. Uh, yeah, you see what I did there? Yeah, very well done. Uh, number 10, what three words would you most hope that people would use to describe you? Three words. Laughing, fun, there. I don't know. There? Laughing, fun. As in, I'm always there. Always as it exists. You know what I mean? Yeah. As <laughs> Omni, like, omnipresent. He's still there. That's what my wife says every morning. She wakes up and goes, <laughs> he's still there. <laughs> um, and the final question, who should I have on this podcast? Who is someone that you would like to hear or find interesting? Oh, you know, you kind of stumped me on that one. Um, can it be anyone, like anyone in the world? I mean, I don't know that I could get them, but give it a shot. Oh, I don't know. Someone cool and interesting. Can I think on that? Yeah, you can no, think on I that. I suppose you need it, don't you, in a podcast. I mean, you can get back hey, to listen, me in an email. We'll be right back in 47 <laughs> minutes when James has another flip and works out which person he'd want to hear from. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, John Bolton. Oh, okay. That would be a very Go interesting one right now. Go for it. Get an exclusive. Um, (laughs) James, this was fantastic. You are an absolute lunatic. Uh, And uh, I will be in New York in May. So let's hang out. Look forward to it. That's what she said. It's time once again for South Bitch Sessions, where I rant about something that bothers me and I fix it. This week, Super Bowl Sunday. Now, not the game itself. 
But either we got to move this bitch to Saturday or are we going to take Mondays off? I think the best solution is for Monday after Super Bowl to be a national holiday. I know I'm not the first person to suggest this. I've always been in favor of it. But after the week that I just had, eight straight days in Miami, I feel compelled to make this the primary focus of my campaign as commissioner. Monday of Super Bowl, national holiday. One day if I snap, it's probably going to be about this. And when I say one day, I mean this morning at like 4 a.m. when I got back to my hotel to sleep for four hours before getting up to go to the airport to make it home in time to record this very thing and do my radio show. So I didn't snap, but I almost did. And I feel like we would all be better served by having the Super Bowl Monday off. All right. I feel good about what we accomplished today. Super Bowl Monday should be a national holiday. I'm the commish and I approve this message. There, I fixed it. If you've got a dilemma for the commission to fix, tweet it to me at Sarah Spain or go to the iTunes or podcast app, subscribe, rate, and review, and leave your dilemma in your review, and maybe I'll solve it on the show. Thanks, as always, for lasting about an hour with me. Well, that's what she said. <laughs>